I'm thankful for God's word tonight, aren't you? But Isaiah 33, we're going to start kind of in the middle, look at the middle handful of verses, uh, starting in verse 13. And uh, again, I'm thankful for God's word. I'm glad it is a it is a deep well that we can dip into uh, and get refreshment uh, and get direction, get wisdom. Uh, and I'm thankful for that. But Isaiah 33, verse 13 says this. Hear ye that are afar off what I have done and ye that are near acknowledge my might. The sinners in Zion are afraid. Fearfulness has surprised the hypocrites. Who among us shall dwell with the devouring fire? Who among us shall dwell with everlasting burnings? He that walketh righteously and speaketh uprightly, he that despiseth the gain of oppressions, uh, that shaketh his hands from holding of bribes, that stoppeth his ears from the hearing of blood, and shutteth his eyes from seeing evil, he that dwell on high, his place of defense shall be the munitions of rocks, bread shall be given him, his water shall be sure. Thine eyes shall see the king in his beauty. They shall behold the land that is very far off. Lord, we thank you again for your word tonight. Thank you for your sweet spirit that we can already feel tonight. Lord, I pray as we dig into your word, Lord, I pray that you'd help me to preach tonight. Uh, Lord, that you'd give me the unction, Lord, not for my glory, but for your glory. Yes, Lord, yes. that we can learn from you, be encouraged, be challenged tonight, and that you could draw us closer to you. And in Jesus' name we pray, and amen. 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 So this chapter 33, uh, I, Isaiah begins at the beginning of it, uh, it begins with a woe. He says at the very beginning, woe to thee. Uh, and he's saying it's basically those that seek to spoil Israel uh, or dear tre deal treacherously with them. So it says, verse 1, Woe to thee that spoilest, and that thou that wast not spoiled, and dealest treacherously, and they that de dealt not treacherously with thee. When thou shalt cease to spoil, thou shalt be spoiled. And when thou shalt make an end to deal treacherously, they shall deal treacherously with thee. That's a hard verse to think about, but it's actually not as hard. He's saying, hey, uh, those ones that will go and spoil uh, and they will fight and they will take advantage of when nobody's doing that to you, uh, when you're dealing treacherously, when you've mocked, when you've been dealt fairly, uh, he's saying, hey, uh, when you decide uh, that you're done with that or you can't do that anymore, you're going to be, uh, it's going to be you that's going to be spoiled. It's going to be you that are dealt treacherously. And really, when I read that, uh, uh, one of the things that came to mind in the New Testament, Galatians 6, 7, be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, yeah. that shall yeah. he also reap. Now, uh, one of the big groups this would be true to would be the Assyrians. And they're saying, hey, uh, you're, uh, you're, remember in King Hezekiah, remember when he spread out the letters and that and was praying to the Lord? That's the Assyrians. The Assyrians were trying to take over uh, uh, all the land here. They were trying to take it. And the Lord was saying, hey, uh, you may be successful for a while, but there's going to come a day when the Assyrians are spoiled. That's what he's saying. Uh, but I believe this verse is not just for the Assyrians. In this chapter, as you dig into it, and especially as we look at the, the part there in the middle that we looked at, it's not just for the past. It's for the future as well, not just the immediate future, uh, you know, for Assyria. But I believe that it's saying it's a bigger, uh, broader message that's saying, hey, just because evil is triumphing, 
right? Just because it looks like the Assyrians are winning or the spiritual Assyrians uh, are winning doesn't mean they're going to escape judgment forever. And that's hard sometimes because you see the evidence. We see with our eyes, you get the reports and the news and everything else. And it looks like evil's getting away with it, right? It looks like they're, they're just doing whatever they want. Uh, but God's saying, hey, you're forgetting about me over here. He's yeah. saying, woe to yeah. you uh, because a day, there will come a day when there is a judgment. All those who have dealt treacherously with Israel will face judgment someday. Amen? Uh, especially when Jesus Christ comes back to this earth. Uh, so Zion and Jerusalem, you'll see in this chapter, if you later read the whole thing, is mentioned over and over again. And, and Zion and Jerusalem, uh, uh, not just are in the chapter a lot, Jerusalem's the most mentioned place in the entire Bible. And it's because God chose it. He said, that's going to be the place where uh, of my capital, and really it's of the entire universe, not just the capital of Israel, the capital of the whole world and the capital of every world uh, that he's created because Jesus is going to reign from Jerusalem. Amen. So it's one thing to remember as you're looking through here when he's talking about these things and the king and the throne and every, everything else, he's talking about the city of Jerusalem. But down to verse 13 where we started in our passage, it says, Hear ye that are afar off what I have done, and ye that are near acknowledge my might. So verse 10, we know he's talking about uh, the prophet Isaiah is talking about future events. Verse 10 says, now will I rise, saith the Lord. Now will I be exalted. Uh, now will I lift myself up. Do you see that? That is future, right? Because if we're talking about Zion, if we're talking about Jerusalem, and we're talking about Jesus being lifted up in Jerusalem, that's not right now. Right, that, that's a day to come, amen? And I'm glad that it's, uh, it didn't happen when the Assyrians were defeated. It still hasn't happened today because it's a future day. So look at 13. Hear ye that are afar off what I have done, and ye that are near acknowledge my might. And I was thinking, if you could just imagine for a second, Jesus Christ literally sitting on the throne in Jerusalem, ruling this entire earth. If you could think about it for a second, he doesn't get that throne because somebody else before him died. Right. We've been noticing if you've watched anything going on over in Britain, over there, uh, right, that Queen Elizabeth died. And now uh, the other guy, to, Charles, took over. He's king now uh, because she died. He's the king. That's not how Jesus is getting the throne. Someone's not dying. Forget him. Uh, and then him getting it. He's getting the throne because he died. Amen. And then he rose from the dead. That's why he's getting the throne uh, uh, there. And, and he will take that throne that's rightfully his. But imagine this, when that happens, word's going to spread. Amen? Word's going to spread about what the Lord has done and what the Lord will do. And that reminded me, if you remember, I just read it again, Jericho, uh, there were the children of Israel in the book of Joshua, chapter 2, are, they're getting ready to take Jericho, and they send those two spies, and they go to Rahab's house, the harlot, uh, and she tells them in Joshua 2.10, for we have heard how that the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what ye did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Shion and Og whom you utterly destroyed. She had heard and all the people of Jericho had heard what the Lord had done. 
right? They knew how mighty the Egyptians were. They knew how powerful these kings were. And you're talking about a bunch of ragtag slaves that had no army, no military training, no weapons, were able to escape Egypt unharmed, cross the Red Sea on dry land, and take out kings and Jericho's next in their sights. They were afraid. Why? They heard what the Lord had done. But back then, the word would have spread slowly, right? It would have taken people traveling from place to place to get the word out. But now word can go out instantly across this entire world. At the same time, there's no delay in communications anymore. Uh, the whole world will be able to watch the wrath of God unfold. That's the difference now uh, is they'll be able to see it uh, instantly. And that's why when you look at Revelation, some of these things make sense, right? Because, you know, those two witnesses, uh, it says the whole world is going to uh, see them and then they're going to watch them die and they're going to party over it and then they're going to see them come back. Well, in the day that John wrote that, it, that would have been strange. How could the whole world watch something happen at the same time? Now it's not strange anymore. Amen. Those that are far off, they're going to hear what the Lord's done, right? And those that are nearby are going to see his power. And they're, going to, they're not going to be able to deny it. But look at verse 14. The sinners in Zion, or that's another word for Jerusalem, are afraid. Fearfulness has surprised the hypocrites. Who among us shall dwell with the devouring fire? And who among us shall dwell with everlasting burnings? You know, men and women are afraid. They're full of fear today. Yeah, they are. Everywhere. They're afraid of so many things. You ask people, what are they afraid of? Viruses, right? A lot of people are afraid of that. They're afraid of the government. Yeah. You met those people. Sometimes I'm one of those people. They're afraid of aliens, right? UFOs. They're afraid of that. Uh, they're afraid of the police. Some good reason, some not. They're afraid of dying. A lot of people are afraid of dying. But in this world that's full of fear... Do you ever hear people that are afraid of their sin? No. They're not. They're the least. They're afraid of everything else in this earth except for their sin. And the reality is they need to be afraid of their sin more than anything else. Amen. That's the problem. But look, uh, with all that fear, one day, do you see what verse 14? Let's look at it again. The sinners in Zion are afraid of their sin. Amen. Finally, there will come a day. Why would they be afraid? And why would the hypocrites be afraid? Because the second you see a righteous and holy God, your sins become apparent. You can't hide them anymore. What happened every time someone saw, whether it's Isaiah, uh, whether it's John, whether it's any of them that saw the Lord, uh, they would immediately, what did they say? I'm a sinner, right? I'm a sinner. Depart from me. I can't be around you. I'm a sinner. Instantly, that's what's going to happen. When Jesus appears in all of his glory, they're going to be afraid because they're in their sin and they realize how holy he is. And I think with us that are saved, I believe, I've said this before, some people don't like it, but it doesn't matter. I'll say it anyway. I believe that once we see Jesus as saved people, we'll realize how much he really forgave. Amen? Yeah. 
I think we undersell. I think we really undersell our sinfulness. I think we sin way more than we give ourselves credit for. We really fall short. Of, some of us think we barely fall short of the glory of God. We really fall short of the glory of God each and every day, throughout the day, all day long. We are disappointing the Lord, sinning against Him and heaven and everything else. And when we see Him, we're going to say, "Oh my gosh!" To think for a second, some of these people think they're per- perfect, and I'm like, "Wait till you see what perfect looks like." We are so far apart. But the hypocrites. Who are they? The ones that said they're righteous, right? The ones that acted like they're one of us, that said they were godly, said they had a relationship with Jesus Christ, but they were lying about all of it. Instantly, they'll be filled with fear. Why? Because Matthew 7, 22, Jesus said this, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name have cast out devils and in thy name have done many wonderful works. And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you depart from me, ye that work iniquity. One day they're going to hear that. And that's sad. If there was a hypocrite sitting amongst us in church. One day that's going to be them. That's that's awful to think. And what's even scarier is if it was one of us and we heard the truth and we really uh, thought about that and realized it. If we were not afraid, that's a dangerous spiritual spot to be in. That's a red flag right there that says, hey, you know, it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. You need to get on your knees, fall on your face in front of God and say, God, I've been a liar. I've been a hypocrite. I need you to save me for real, not just for show, but for real. Depart from me. That's what he's saying. And then look at our verse. What does it say? A devouring fire. What else? Or can we, from the New Testament, a consuming fire is the same thing. What else? Everlasting burnings. You see all these things and you're thinking, my gosh, it's not worth the show. You've got to have a real relationship with Jesus Christ. But it's talking about judgment in this part. And judgment for sinners is not a pretty subject, is it? It's not. It's scary. But you know what? Judgment for those that are saved by Jesus Christ is totally different. Amen? It's totally different. There's not the fear there. It's the opposite. Look at verse 15. He that walketh righteously and speaketh uprightly, he that despiseth the gain of the oppressors, uh, he shaketh his hands from holding of bribes, that stoppeth his ears from the hearing of blood, and shutteth his eyes from seeing evil. And here's the thing. You could read that verse quickly and think, you know what? Does that mean we're saved by good works, right? If we do all these things, we're saved. No. Uh, what it's saying is, hey, uh, uh, people there, uh, what's it talk about? People walk righteously uprightly despising people that take advantage of others and everything else these are the results of someone who's a new creature in jesus christ amen this is not what saves you this is what is a result of being saved Amen. I get so tired of people that say, you know what? I'll just get saved. Uh, I won't have to go into hell anymore, but I'm not changing a single thing about my life. My goodness, you've missed the repentance part. Right. Yeah. I don't know about you. I wanted a new life. Yes. And the more I've been saved, I'm glad I've gotten a new life. And guess what? There's still times I'm repenting again and saying, hey, uh, some of these things that I, I, I was okay with for a while, I'm not okay with anymore. Amen. I want to draw closer to the Lord. Living righteously won't get you to heaven, but I'll tell you what, if someone who's truly saved will live righteously. We're not going to live a perfect life, but I'll tell you what, I want to seek to live as close to the scriptures as possible, as close to God's will as I can. But what happens is this world's coming to a close. 
What's this world getting more wicked every day, right? Everything's getting more and more wicked. uh, And that just sometimes it feels like we're the only one left. And that's what the devil wants. He wants us to feel like Elijah. There's nobody else left. I'm the only one. Lord, just take me. Uh, There's nothing else. But I tell you what, it doesn't matter how bad this world gets. Verse 15 is in the future. Remember that? This is the future when the Lord comes and is ruling and reigning on the earth. There will still be men and women that walk righteously on that day. There'll be still ones that speak uprightly. There'll still be ones that despise people that oppress and everything else you see it around and shut their eyes from evil. They will still be around. So no matter how bad it gets, there will still be a remnant that follows the Lord, still be a remnant that says, you know what? I'm going to live righteously in a wicked world. Amen? All the way till the end, which is the same thing that happened in the Old Testament. Right? Noah? Enoch, all the way to the judgment, same thing. But where are we going to find these righteous people? Well, I'm glad you asked. Verse 16, he shall dwell on high, right? Now, this is not talking about the Lord. This is talking about the ones that walked righteously, speak uprightly. The he is from verse 15. He shall dwell on high. We shall dwell on high. Amen. Not in the valley, not in a cave, not in hiding. We're going to dwell on high. Our place of defense is the munition of rocks. Bread shall be given unto him and his water shall be sure. While the sinners and hypocrites are fearful. Amen. Because the Lord's around. While they're trying to hide from the Lord and everything else. I'll tell you who's going to be safe. Israel's going to be safe because the Lord's there on the throne. They're going to be protected. They're going to be preserved. I guess who else is going to be saved? I believe the church is going to be all right too. We're not going to be gone. We're not going to be ended. We're not going to be destroyed. We're going to be coming back to the earth with the Lord. That's what the, that's what the Bible says. He's going to be on a white horse. We're going to be with him on white horses. So we're going to be fine as well. No more dwelling in tents. No more uh, being a stranger and pilgrim on this earth. But we're going to dwell on high with the Lord. Praise God. No more worries. No more worries about enemies. No more worries about food. No more worries about water. And you think, well, that doesn't sound like much. Well, in the tribulation, it's a big deal. Amen? Food and water. Why? Verse 22. We'll skip down. For the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. He will save us. Amen? Amen. No question about it. No wonder, you know, they uh, they play these war games. Uh, the militaries do. They've got these giant computers that they throw things into a simulation to try to figure out, hypothetically, uh, if one country attacks another country, uh, who will be ahead, how many will die, uh, all these, how many ships are going to be lost and everything else. I'm here to tell you, you don't need to put all the things in the war games because if you did that, Israel would lose every time. They'd be destroyed every time. They'd be overrun every time. But guess what? They're still here, right? It doesn't matter if ever. Every Muslim country comes against them, uh, and in a a handful of days, it's over, right? Amen. That's happened before, and it could happen again. Amen. But it doesn't matter. The Lord will save Israel, and I'm glad the Lord saved me. Praise God. And I'm glad I don't have to worry about who my king's going to be. It's Jesus. Praise God. We'll be singing and shouting his praises. I don't know about you. I can't wait till he rules this place. Amen. We thought we've seen good government. We've seen nothing. Amen. Verse 17. I like this verse. Thine eyes 
shall see the king in his beauty. They shall behold the land that is a very far off. This is one of those verses I've told you before that there are some times when I am reading God's word, and I'll just be honest with you, sometimes you just start reading quickly, but then there are times where you just slam on the brakes when you hit a verse like this. And this is one of those, thine eyes shall see the king in his beauty. I'm telling who's going to see the king in his beauty? Noah, Abraham, Moses, Elijah, Isaiah, Peter, James, John, Israel. And guess what? You and me that are saved yeah. by Jesus Christ, we are going to see King Jesus on his throne. What are we going to see? His beauty. That's the only description right there. His beauty in this passage, his majesty, his glory, his brightness. Brightness, whatever you want, every description we've got uh, can't handle it, right? You know, John tries to describe it. Isaiah tries to describe it. Others try to describe it. But it's indescribable what we're going to see. But I'll tell you what, we can wrap it all in one thing. We're going to see his beauty, praise God. Face to face, we're going to see it. We don't need to imagine it. We don't need to dream it. We're going to see it for real life. I don't know what it's going to look like that day. i tell you what, sometimes I try to think about what heaven will be, and then I remember there is nothing anywhere near on this earth I can compare to. There's nothing, right? We have nothing. People think that this is heaven or that's heaven. None of this is heaven, right? This place is so cursed with sin and so evil, it is nothing like it. Well, how can I try to think about what Jesus looks at? There's nothing to compare. There's nothing that we can even ever imagine. But I'll tell you one thing, even though I can't imagine it, even though they couldn't explain it really, a brighter day is coming. Amen? A better day is coming. Uh, in this life, we're filled with pain, with sickness, separation, dying, and everything. But I'm telling you, one day, we're going to be safe with Jesus Christ, our King. And we don't have to fear about the government. They may shut down in a few days. I don't know. They're acting like they're going to run out of money. Yet they print it every day. I don't understand. Uh, but hey, uh, he'll have the government on his shoulders. All right? That's what Isaiah said. Uh, we'll see how a perfect king rules over his people. We won't need a defense budget because there won't be any enemies. Uh, we won't need any food banks because he's going to feed everybody, all his children. i tell you what, but not only are we going to see the king in his beauty, the last part of that verse says, they shall behold the land that is far off. You know, some people try to visit every place they can in this earth, right? They try to go to every country. They try to go to every place, every tourist place all over the world. And they try to just, uh, what do they what do they call it? Just going for experiences. Like, I, I'm just trying to experience as many things as I can. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I'll tell you what. I would rather do that after this, is, this old sin-cursed world is gone and replaced with a new earth. Amen? Uh, not totally different, but that word new, when it's a new heaven and new earth, is it's like uh, you, you like a certain pair of shoe. You wear one out. You go back to the store, and you buy the exact same one new again that's what this earth's going to be it's going to be uh, and again we can't imagine it without the curse of sin without everything that mankind has ruined but one day we're going to see it and what's he saying we're going to even see the far off places we're going to get to visit uh, different places in this world but i tell you what not only are we going to see the land afar off on earth but there's another far country further away than the, even the most remarkable remote places on this planet there's a heaven that's afar off and you and I are going to see that too and a new Jerusalem that John saw we're going to see that the center of the universe and I'm thankful for that we're going to see that one day praise God I know times are tough but I can't wait to see it 
Look down at verse 20. Look unto, look upon Zion, the city of our solemnities. Thine eyes shall see Jerusalem, a quiet habitation, a tabernacle that shall not be taken down. Not one of the stakes thereof shall ever be removed. Neither shall any of the cords therefore be broken. That place of Jerusalem, the Bible says, is a place where people will come from all over the world to worship King Jesus several times a year. And some will just never leave. Right? Some will just say, you know what? I know I've got to be here certain times of the year uh, for these certain uh, events, uh, but I'm just going to stay with Jesus all year long. Amen? But that place, remember the tabernacle it's talking about? That was before the temple. It was that temporary place. It was like the tent, and it had the different things, the furniture in it, but it was made as a temporary thing. They could take it up, pack it up. They could move over to the next spot, uh, and then they'd set it up again, and there it would be, another place to worship the Lord. But again, they'd pack it up, they'd move along to a new place, and then they'd set it up again. What does that verse say? Number one, it says it calls Jerusalem a quiet habitation. No more air raid sirens, right? No more rockets flaring. No more anything else like that. It'll be a quiet place. I tell you what, even go to some of our cities. They're not quiet. They're loud. There's alarms going off and gunshots and everything else. It will be a quiet place. Why? Because it'll be a peaceful place and the tabernacle shall not be taken down. Can you imagine that? They overthrew the temple. Remember when Jesus said, not a stone will be left upon another. And they threw those stones overboard, 70 A.D., and you know what he's saying? Never again will anything like that happen. Once the Lord establishes his rule, once the place of worship is established, it's never moving again. It'll never be stolen by the enemy. Remember the Philistines stole the Ark of the Covenant? That's not happening again either. None of that. But look at the final verse of this chapter. And the inhabitant, verse 24, and the inhabitant shall not say, I am sick. The people that dwell therein shall be forgiven their iniquity. Wow. No more sickness. No more pain. And the people that are dwelling there are all forgiven of their sins. What a place. What a place. But the question is, in that day will you be a fearful sinner? Or are you going to be a praising, rejoicing, king-seeing, saved-by-Jesus-Christ person? Which one? A lot of people have different beliefs on what gets you to heaven, but the Bible talks about one way, and that's Jesus Christ. Amen. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. And I like 1 John 1.9, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just, to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Yeah. I'm glad we can call on Jesus' name. I'm glad the same one that saved us will be ruling over us. Amen. Amen. He's not bribing us for his vote. He didn't take the throne by assassination or somebody else dying. It's his throne that he purchased on Calvary. And it's my forgiveness that he paid the price for on Calvary. And I'm thankful for that. I'm telling you what, there's a better day coming. A brighter day coming for both Israel and for those that are saved by Jesus Christ.
We're going to open up the altar tonight. If you need to pray, 